Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Standing Up in a Sit-Down World. And our text today, it's a rather long one, but I want you to listen carefully. It's Acts, the 17th chapter, the 16th through the 28th verses. You have heard this story. It's a fascinating story, so just read along with me. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. The Apostle Paul and his companions are on another phase of their amazing journey for Jesus Christ. They have traveled into Athens, but not without many challenges. While souls have been saved, the band of believers continue to run into trouble, angry mobs, more arrests, more resistance. These early Christians were revolutionaries, turning the world upside down. Their message threw open prison doors, broke down social barriers, stirred people to care deeply for one another, and most importantly, moved them to worship God. Because, you see, this message was uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Faith, as defined by this movement, was not only about believing, it was about acting. Faith is always about action. It takes action to help transform lives. And that's what Paul had been doing when he arrived in Athens. Now, you know about Athens, the capital of Greece, was a center for Greek culture, philosophy, and education. It would be like coming to Boston, where you have all these universities and medical schools. It was a cultural and intellectual mecca. But it was also a place of idol worship. 
While the Greeks were always ready to hear some new ideas and beliefs, they were also entrenched in their idolatry. As Paul toured the city, he was disheartened by the sheer numbers of idols he saw. Gods like Athena and Zeus, it it seemed as though the Greeks had a god for everything. And Paul began to reason in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace. A group of philosophers, Epicureans and Stoics, who knew idol worship was useless, but who did not know God, began to debate Paul. It was after that exchange that they took Paul to the Areopagus. Now, the Areopagus was a place where the city's highest civic leaders met, a municipal council with broad regulatory powers staffed by the upper classes. While they were open to new beliefs, they were concerned with a message that had caused riots in other cities. The Areopagus held 5,000 people, and Paul realized that while there was a risk inerrant in speaking to a group like this, there was also a great opportunity. You know, I've read this text over and over. I've preached on it many times, but God has led me to one seemingly small action that is very significant for Christians today. Before Paul could show off his training and knowledge, before he could talk about the living God, before he could even explain the one true God to so many godless people, Paul had to take an action. He had to stand up. This is seemingly insignificant in the context of this story, but this is the place where it might have been more advantageous and certainly easier for Paul to keep still. You see, Jesus' message, quite frankly, was embraced more easily by poor people because they were desperate for some kind of salvation. But these were the learned people. These were the degreed and the pedigree. These were people who thought they pretty much knew everything. How would Paul deliver this kind of message here? After the arrests and the beatings and the imprisonment and the riots, Paul might have used this time to kind of rest on his laurels, waiting for reinforcements or or moving on to the next city. But Paul stood up. Paul stood up. He stood up. There's a lesson here for 21st century Christians living in a culture where most of us are more apt to grab a beer and watch all the action from TV. We need to stand up to proclaim what and whom we believe. This means that we need to stand up in a sit-down world. What do I mean by a sit-down world? Well, the outside world that is apathetic and spectator-oriented. We like to watch other people work out our issues, and we're more comfortable just sitting there on that couch. But Paul stood up. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. So Paul stood up in a sit-down world. Now, it's easy to say that the world outside the church is a sit-down world, and we're already all right. But the real sit-down world that we should be more concerned about is right in the church. You know, God wants Christians to be on fire for doing his complete will. 
He wants us to be enthusiastic. We, we need to seek to please Christ. We want to always put our best foot forward. But in order to do any of this, we are going to have to do some action. We're going to have to make some moves. We can't just sit around and, and think it's going to happen all by the Holy Spirit. Certainly, the Holy Spirit does a lot of the work that needs to be done. It does most of the work, but we have work to do. Positioning is so important in terms of the action you have to take. Any coach will tell you that when you're preparing to run a race or if you're going to take a shot on the basketball court or you're getting ready to play football, you have to be in the right position to get the right outcome. And I would suggest to you, in order for us to to be true to Christ, in order for us to do our jobs, and there is a job that a Christian has to do, we have to be willing to stand up. You know, there's a long-running argument in the scholarly world that this scene at the Areopagus is Paul's effort to find common ground between Christianity and Greek philosophy, that he was actually looking for some neutral position that would create some connectivity between the two different worlds. But I would suggest that Paul was really here for a confrontational move. Now, he was doing it in a very smooth and, and, and very astute way, but he was challenging the entire structure of so-called Greek wisdom. He wanted the educators and the philosophers to see the clear contrast between their smug and bloated theories and, and the crystal clear truth. The Greeks had become complacent in their superstitious foolishness. You know, Paul was standing up in a sit-down world. You need to know who you really are before you can stand up. What do you believe? Why do you believe what you believe? What do you want from God and what does God expect from you? We don't want to become lazy, habitual, uninspired Christians doing what we do for tradition. Standing up can be interpreted in many ways. As far as I'm concerned, it's about social action. It's about service. But most importantly, it means witnessing. Now, let me just tell you the truth, that that there are all kinds of ways to approach Christianity. And I do not represent uh, the kind of Christianity that you may hear sometimes, even on this radio station. I think I have to stand up for the God who, who takes care of me. We have to let the world know who we are, not just in what I say, but in how I live my life. Because as a Christian, I need to know that somebody is always watching. They may be sitting down, they may be hiding, but they're watching. And so I need to know uh, who I am before I can tell you. And there's a lot of confusion about what Christianity is. Does it represent a a right-leaning political stand? Or does it represent a a left-leaning political stand? And in these days where everybody's taking a stand on some political issue, I think we need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. And, And the God I serve is the God who cares about the least of these. This is the God who who wants to feed the hungry and wants to clothe the naked and wants to set the prisoner free, who is focused on the oppressed, who is focused on those who do not have someone to speak 
for them. And I want to be clear that that's the God I represent. And that's the God I'm going to stand up for. You have to know who you believe and what you believe in order to stand up. Now, we don't always have to agree on issues. And and there are many issues that we are not going to agree on. But I believe that Jesus Christ gives us enough uh, non-negotiable issues that we all must know. And I believe that we have to love each other and love our enemy and turn the other cheek and forgive. And so I'm going to always preach uh, on that side. (laughs) I'm going to always talk about love. I'm going to always talk about forgiveness because it's God's grace that has changed me. But you have to stand up to do that. You can't be afraid. You can't be uh, hesitant. You can't be unsure. You have to be certain. Thanks for joining me. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you love-